0: Hi, this is uh, Eyal Shai, and you're about to hear an installment out of a series called Deep Hanging Out Community. It's me speaking with my friend Catherine Widewis about community and different aspects of community, like society versus the individual, uh, the dark side of community, how to establish communities and maintain them, and much more. So I hope you enjoy.
1: Hello, Ayal. How are you today?
0: I'm good, Catherine. How are you?
1: Wonderful. It's great to be chatting with you. So we are talking today about the idea of flourishing and something that has been on yours and my mind um, individually, and then we also realized kind of together, has been this idea of um blossoming how um how you are sort of feeling the work that you're doing starting to blossom in the world and I am feeling the same and so we thought let's have a recorded conversation together and something that we've noticed I think is um this idea of community and belonging being a theme that's running through um each of our work and the work that we're doing with others as well and so uh we're excited for this conversation to meander through the idea of community and the idea of belonging and how we're seeing it in the world, um, and see where this conversation goes. So I thought, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, super excited to to do this with you. And I've been waiting to collaborate in the spirit of community with someone, so I'm really happy that you um, that you've taken off the gloves and um, are. <laughs> ready to do it and yeah I'm so occupied with thoughts about community uh, possibly all my life but more so um, lately and um, really really excited to explore it with someone else and see about possibilities of creating such communities Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I'll I'll let you uh, take the lead and see how we do that
1: Well, one thing I wanted to start with was in a conversation we've had recently, you've talked about, I think you actually said the words, the goal is blossoming, and we've talked about what you meant by that, and that was something I really resonated with in my own work. So I'm curious, maybe just to start out, what do you mean by the goal being blossoming for you? What does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, because I can also uh, kind of give a rebuttal to myself about using (laughs) that term. Uh, yep. And I will in a moment, but I think it came up in the context of seeing or saying that I like um, helping people come along and then witnessing people blossoming, which is mm-hmm. uh, really a way to say any sort of um, advancement or progress happening on um, in the mental aspect of people, any kind of improvement where I see the person, just having a moment of clearly feeling better or having a breakthrough moment or or anything like that is to me something very precious and something that Mm. I don't want to miss in those close to me and but you know even people who used to be strangers up until uh, recently so anything Mm. like that and then of course in myself Uh, so I think that's the context to that Now, I will say that for me, I have kind of been playing with the concept of blossoming and what it means. And I do have to say that a blossoming is just part of the life cycle of a plant throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And I do recognize that standing uh, with the leaves off in winter dormant does not mean that the plant is not healthy. So mm-hmm. it's, it's okay not to be blossoming all the time. Uh, So what to make of that? I don't know. I like both the idea of blossoming, but I'm keeping uh, my attention to the fact that it's okay not to blossom all the time. And that's also uh, nice to explore.
1: I love that metaphor. And I love that you started with (laughs) a self-rebuttal. Wonderful. (laughs) It's It's, what I do. Yeah, it's just the way, right? You put out a hypothesis and you're immediately like, no, no, I mean, it's, it's not really that way, but we'll start there. Um, I love, and you actually went ahead and started answering a follow-up question I had for you, which is, um, what is it about the the moment of blossoming itself that feels so important to witness in people and to help encourage in people? Um, what about that moment is is what's so exciting to you?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. So obviously, lying dormant through the winter is. Okay, but it, I guess, lacks the um, action, the novelty, uh, the excitement, the, the obvious um, progress. So, you know, I think that it's universally true that any plant is kind of, if it's, if it's deemed beautiful or not, we judge it mostly by the flowers, although that's not universally true, maybe. But the flower is just this symbol of 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 the peak of the season in some way. Um, it's interestingly, it's also uh, the time of year when a plant communicates with the outside world, right? In other season, mm-hmm. it just kind of does its thing, or it does communicate mem- maybe underground. But there's something about the the flower that we we just see it happening, and it's ephemeral. Usually, it's doesn't last very long um Mm. so yeah maybe maybe that's our fixation with the with the blooms
1: I love that the the context of the flower becomes so important in that moment and I think that is something that is very true for me as well um in terms of I also I also have always been drawn toward um witnessing and kind of supporting people in those moments and I think there's something that is deeply part of our human constitution is wanting, drawn to the sense of possibility, drawn to the sense that transformation is possible, that growth is possible um, in ourselves and in the human's lives world around us. Um, But I think that that metaphor you just used of being particularly responsive to our environment in certain moments is so true. And I think we're seeing that on a broader scale right now, which is really fascinating. I think we're seeing a um, yearning for a better sense of context than we have right now. And this pops up, you know, every every 10, 15 years, the idea of, hey, guys, what does community mean? And maybe we can build community differently. It's a a recurring conversation through history. This is not the first time this reevaluation has happened. But I think... um, what, what I am certainly seeing, um, in, in certain areas online, but it seems like a broader sense, is this sense of, I am, I am learning that I, I want to be in a better context with people that are thinking about the world in, in new ways, in, in ways that feel like we can transform what our world feels like, we can um, work with each other in new ways. We can gather in new ways, and and like that seems to come from a sense of optimism as much as frustration, which is really beautiful to see. Um, and I know I'm being very generalized, so we can we can drill down to the examples <laughs> of what I'm talking about. But I I do there there feels like there's this sort of collective sense that we we are seeing each other blossom in ways that feel exciting and we want to kind of help support and encourage each other in it, um, in ways that feels outside of just strictly individual personal development. So I don't know if that, that tracks with what you're seeing. But.
0: No, of course, of course. And I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's always there, this um, yearning for community and we hear it so much. So I, I think I'd like to hear from you two things. First of all, yeah. if you don't mind sharing what you actually wish for yourself and and others around you. What does um, Mm. an ideal kind of community um, looks like for you? And then secondly, I'm super interested in maybe trying to um, think about why it's so damn hard (laughs) and why do we talk about it and why have people been talking about it ever since Mm -hmm. basically we've kind of been taken out however many generations back outside of this tribal, uh, way of life.
1: Yeah. Great questions. God. Okay. Um, for the first one, what does that mean for me? Um, the first word that comes to mind is liberation. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure why, but I'm going to try to articulate why I think that comes to mind. Um, I think a lot of my, what I'm drawn toward and a lot of the, the work I've made historically has been toward helping others to feel seen, to feel not alone, to feel like um, they're either being connected to resources or other people that can be a source of healing or a source of permission. Um, I was texting with a friend recently about the, the gifts of being the real gift of being seen and being fully seen and fully loved. And I also added and full being given full permission. And I'm, it just sort of was like, it just kind of came off my tongue, but I was like, I think that's really real is, is not only there's a human need to not only know that we're being seen for who we are and being loved fully for who we are, but feeling like we have the permission to be who we are, we have the permission to try things, we have the permission to ask for more or do differently. Um, And I think when I talk about liberation, I mean that in the material sense, I mean that in the um, creating structures and systems that promote the dignity of every human, that promote the um, the well-being and access to, you know, material resources for every human. So I mean that in a very embodied justice way, but I think I also mean that in a, um, like a, a mental health way, a sense of belonging way, just how are we, how are we sort of liberated to be, to be the full, um, the full humans that we are. Uh, that feels like a very, again, vague answer, and I don't mean it to be, so I should come back and try to <laughs> try to make that more concrete, but that is I think what I, what I am working toward and it feels, it actually feels deeply joyful. Um, I have, this, I have this, in, in this kind of vision of people feeling, um, it's almost like when we can recognize the things that cause each other pain is actually when we can recognize the full joy of being healed from it. Um, yeah. I need to keep thinking about that. But that's my first answer. Just my simple, what do I wish for myself is worldwide liberation for all humans. It's an easy answer. Yeah. It's fine. You could be a beauty
0: queen easily based on that <laughs> answer. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And world peace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I'll get I'll get those talking points down before I run for <laughs> office or enter my beauty pageant. Um, yes. but yeah, no. What was I'm sorry. What was your second question? Okay, so actually,
0: that? I'll I'll remember the second question, but I'll also jump in with what you know I've been feeling. I'm damn tired of <laughs> trying to grind for myself to subsist and yes. and yes. simply survive. Yes, I think it's it's not a good concept. I think we should change it because this is not fun. And I'm tired of it. And uh, this is why I'm thinking about having community. I live in a mm-hmm. place where on paper, I have many of my childhood friends around. We don't meet each We don't meet each other. We don't meet yeah. one another. Um, we don't hang out a lot. Everybody's uh, just doing the grind and basically grinding themselves to dust. I feel like over decades of hard work Mm -hmm. and missing out on the best parts of of living. And that is kind of uh, uh, a thing that I see and that bothers me. And, you know, personally, going back to the beginning of my life, I was always about um, having nourishing relationships more than nourishing relationships with material things Mm -hmm. so it it doesn't surprise me it's not some sort of shock that I got in in life or something like that I was always tuned to that Um, but it's so the other thing that I asked you was why it's uh, why is it so damn hard and um, this is fascinating to me because we evolved as, as tribes and just this closeness and complete interdependence
1: mm-hmm. on,
0: on our tribes members for survival is something that guaranteed all, all our social needs to be met.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And today we're dispersed, we're as individualist as we could mm-hmm. be, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's just making it very hard on, on yeah. some levels. It makes survival super easy. Um, but why can't we seem to be able to meet people and and go back to, to the level of closeness of old?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you think? Why do we keep talking about community but... And and yet it's so damn hard to actually kick start kick start something.
1: Yeah, I think it's a container problem. Um, I think our our institutions have um, either slowly or dramatically uh, been deeply eroded. Um, And I think um, over time, I think the one that has been the most thoroughly eroded is is the sense of structural community. Um, And that is, you know, the the tribal form, um, has been sort of diced out and reallocated under, you know, anything from feudal lords to now capitalism. And it's just, it's, um, this idea of, um, economic resource sharing between small banded groups, um, of kind of these identities has not has not been true for a long time now. And I think our broader senses of institutions, you know, the concept of countries are undergoing reevaluation, the concept of states, um, et cetera. But then obviously our our smaller, more local institutions of church or school or um, even neighborhoods have all been um, pretty eroded over time for some reasons that are practical and make sense and admirable and some reasons that are not. And I think what we're, what we've been really since industrialization, what we've been trying to do is sort of renegotiating what is a connection to the land and each other look like, and how do we do that while maintaining our degree of economic, relative economic success that we like, our degree of relative freedom from social obligations that maybe were harmful or maybe were just annoying in either way. Now it's nice to be rid of them. Uh, you know, so I think I think there's a there's a reason why we wanted to move away from those arrangements, but also we've sacrificed a great deal in the process. So now I think the the challenge is realizing that we want to belong to each other. And we know sort of intuitively from generations past some of the hardships that are inherent in that. And so I think the big question is, how do we belong to each other in a way that is that feels life-giving? And is it possible to do that in a way that still maintains some of the freedoms we also love? And I don't think anybody has found the answer to that yet. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. It may actually be a trade-off. Um, you may decide, for as much as I just talked about liberation, I think you may. it may be a point where it's I have full agency to choose that I don't actually have. A lot of freedoms anymore and I'm willing to do that for the sake of being um and belonging with each other I don't know um yeah, yeah but I th- but the question remains because because for as much as each of us love our individual freedoms and agencies um I think repeatedly we are reminded that we have to do life together and it in fact is impossible to live a a full flourishing life in isolation and without each other and it's it feels like a very optimistic yearning for each other but it also feels deeply it comes from a sense of real deep loneliness and pain I think as well um yeah yeah
0: for sure and one interesting thing for me to consider is the fact that let's let's not paint a picture where everything is is just a garden of roses when you live in a tribe right there's um there's a a chief and somebody who's trying to usurp that chief and there's um betrayal and hard feelings and resentment that's all going on in uh, animals that still live in tribes and humans that still live in tribes um but there definitely seems to be something that's uh, lost when we go our separate ways in an individualist world mm-hmm. where it's almost paradoxical because the easier it is to to make a living in in a world that's rich in resources, uh, the easier it is to to lay back and and think about all the all the community that we're missing. Of course. Um, and. The, the interesting thing for me is that, you know, like so many other things, it's one of those problems where we say, well, if everybody decided to do it, that would be easy, right? Yeah. But then individually for each and every one of us, it's actually quite scary to give up um, any amount of, of liberty that we have when we're on our own, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, going into a, a a committed friendship or marriage or parenthood anything like that right on, on one level it's it's very not liberating yeah. obviously uh, and yet and th- and yet that's what we yearn for and i'm thinking wow this can be really hard to do with even one person who you might choose to spend your life with and then mm-hmm. it's quite clear why it's hard to do it with other people and paradoxically the answer seems to be um at least from evolution the best way to create this sense of community is to have um to just have to (laughs) because if you don't if you don't stay by this person you know you're gonna get eaten or yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, so... and they're
1: also, that's a different form of liberation, right? So it's not, you're giving up some freedoms, but you're opening up different freedoms and possibilities in exchange.
0: Yeah. I think,
1: I think what you're talking about also is interesting because I think there's, there's sort of a nostalgic, rosy view of what, you know, quote unquote times used to be like. Oh, that yeah. a lot of people can espouse. Of course, it's you know it's the same kind of nostalgia for I live in a city and like, oh man, wouldn't it be great to just live out on the land? And how many people do that? Very few. <laughs> because nostalgia doesn't actually get you through things. Then there's also the, the there's the the tactical questions, and what you're hitting on is interesting, which is the need, the recognized need that the way that things are right now is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for me, to your point, being so tired of grinding, being so tired of the hustle, being so tired of saying I'm putting everything into just making enough money to feed my family or just, and it's just, it's not good for the dignity of the self, but it's also just materially not sustainable. And we're sort of hitting these economic barriers of saying we we can't keep doing this this way. And we actually do have to change things. And that's a that's a health necessity. That's an economic necessity. There's, you know, Um, and I think those pragmatics then start to become an interesting way for thinking about community. And that's where I see, um, certain, certain, um, efforts toward community building happening. And we can talk about some examples. I just had a really interesting experience with one that I know we talked about, um, where it's sort of like, we need to think about resource sharing in a different way. How might we do that? Um, we see that happening to some degree with DAOs, um, that's been part of co-ops of all kinds for a long time. Um, how do we how do we best, maybe can't individually buy a lot of land, but what would happen if a lot of us bought in together and shared it? Maybe we can't each individually homeschool our kids, but what would happen if we all came together and sort of educated and raised each other's? What would things like that look like? Um, healthcare co-ops, things like that. Um, and those, I think sometimes, I think your point is great, that smaller kind of almost tribal communities emerge out of a real sense of material life and death necessity. Um, and that tends to drive, I think, I think that tends to drive formation of these things a little faster than, than some of the maybe more ni- uh, idealistic or nostalgic aspects. But I'm curious your thoughts.
0: Yeah, first of all, y- you will not hear me ever saying that, you know, things were better in the past. They <laughs> they, they simply were not, um you know, unless dysentery is your thing, and I don't know whatever typhus and, <laughs> and numerous other diseases that are just running rampant through populations, um, mm-hmm. probably just uh, more violence uh, on on all its kinds as well. Um, yep. And yeah, that's 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 the thing where I have to be honest with myself and others and say no, I do not want to, I do not want to give an inch of what we what we got to materially. I, mm-hmm. I do not. It's very hard for us mm-hmm. to, to do mm-hmm. that. Well, you know, maybe I could I could be a minimalist, but when it comes to healthcare, health yeah. services, when it comes to uh, transportation, I could do with, uh, not with the newest car, but I wouldn't give up a car for a horse and buggy probably. Um, and I think that is also a sense, which is interesting to explore in communities like the Amish who haven't given it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for fear of knowing that there is no going back, you no. know. So it's kind of an interesting mindset of um, uh, making making the past sacred and then making it super traditional, so that we never actually progress from the from the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so these these are all interesting things. And then about how we do it today, that's that's a real question because. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to actually ask you: Is this part of your uh, vision? Let's say for a potential future community, you mm-hmm. belonging. Does it? What does your intuition tells you? Tell you: Is it going to be um, uh, in a in a physical place, or could it actually be uh, decentralized over the internet or something like that?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think. I think uh, I think both are at work right now in some exciting ways. My personal hunch is that we, we will not be, if, if humanity ever gets to a point where we're majority digital in terms of how we live our lives. Um, I mean, you could argue that we're majority digital now, but I think, I mean, um, most of life as we know it, embodied life as we know it is kind of more digital. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that we can really, I don't know, I don't think we can neglect embodied life um, for as much as we're doing digital things. And so I think when we're seeing all of this conversation around um, digital community networks, d- digital cities, um, decentralized things to that degree, um, I think to really feel fully integrated as humans, there has to be some degree of physical gathering that also happens. Um, I, and that's my own personal ethics, but I, I do believe that. Um, and so I think in terms of the things that I have built and I'm trying to build, um, some degree of place always factors in. Um, some degree of physical place always factors in. Some degree of embodied gathering, even if even if um, some relationships and friendships will never be in person, um, like you and I, I don't know if we'll ever meet in person. Which is so wild right. to say. I dearly <laughs> hope so. Um, and look at this—we've built a beautiful friendship, and now we're making a podcast, having never met in person. So that's that's possible. It's real, and it's it's really a wonderful thing. But as we're talking about community as a whole, I don't think the desired state should be we're all far apart and never and never meet. And so I think some of these. Um, some of these things we're seeing um, where the emphasis is on let's also create a space for physical gathering is deeply important. And those are both things that I have built and I'm trying to build and want to help support is um, people that are understanding that offline or online is is beautiful and rich and uh, very early stages in terms of what we can build. But it kind of always has to come to offline at some point as well. Um I had a really interesting experience of that a few weeks ago at, um, we talked about creator cabins and cabin DAO, which I've started getting involved with. And this is a um, this is a DAO that is basically based to some degree on those principles, the idea that um, decentralized, uh, decentralized work and, and possibly digital cities are sort of probably the way of our future, but also recognizing that some sort of um, being together in, in a physical space actually is necessary for creativity and it's necessary for the kind of vulnerability and transparency and, and community bonds that will actually help elevate um, the broader work of community as a whole. And so they have a, a cabin just outside of Austin um, where uh, they're hosting gatherings on almost a weekly basis at this point. And I was out there a couple of weeks ago for something called Build Week, where we I was a host for it. And um, I think there were eight or nine of us throughout the week. Most of us had never met in person. Many of them were not from Austin. And we all met up together. And an architect had sort of put together a build plan for a common space we were going to build. And other than the architect, few to any of us were builders, you know, physical builders at all. Mm -hmm. And we met and lived together for a week. And we cooked dinner together every night. And we worked outside all day, every day. And we built a beautiful pergola and patio and fire pit. And it was just, it was the most wonderful time. And these were people that, again, um, we didn't really know each other. And by the end of the week, we had a much better sense of who each other was, um, our hopes and dreams and personalities and limitations and the ways that we wanted to be in the world. And we left thinking, I don't know if I'll ever work with any of those people again, but I know that I know how to support them now. In their work going forward, they know how to support me, and it it just became friendly collaborators. That now also we physically built something for everyone else who comes; they can enjoy this part of the space, and it can be it can be part of a community going forward. And seeing that, seeing that in action uh, was very very important because I think I think that question of how do we how do we build or bridge the digital and the the offline is a is a real question going forward
0: yeah it's uh it is a real question for me too i mean i'm, I'm fairly isolated i i'm not talking about um any sort of um intellectual thing or anything in it with anybody in israel mm. honestly mm. um not to say that, uh, you know, I'm so special that all of Israel is kind of uh, small for my size and I have to look <laughs> elsewhere. But it just happened so that I went online and I came across the inter-intellect and yes. uh, I found um, finally people who um, just share interests with me. And if they don't share the interest, then they're um, so passionate and curious and articulate that mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to to become Uh, for their interest to become contagious and there I find myself learning from them and wanting Mm -hmm. to listen to them and this has been a boon to me because I I do feel isolated where I am and yet at the same time I also uh, miss very much sharing space physical space with Mm -hmm. um, other people so after my mandatory army service which I hated I moved to Georgia um, the state and lived on a homestead And did kind of the creator Kevin thing that you were talking about, Um, just very, but uh, no internet tower, okay? (laughs) Basically, just a few (laughs) solar panels. Um, And just last night, uh, so uh, me and my wife are just in this place right now that's actually very confusing regarding where. To, to settle down because we do want that. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't own the apartment where we live and we would like to plant some trees. We're both very much in touch with uh, nature and the soil, uh, but we have no idea uh, exactly how to do that because there's some important factors that uh, we haven't found a way to kind of bring together, like education for a daughter, uh, affordability mm-hmm. and other things. Um, but I think all of that led me to last night where I had a dream where I was in a homestead type of place and people around me were working and I was in the center um, looking at what they're doing and talking to them and then all of a sudden I just started crying my heart out and I was Mm. telling them that I'm just so sorry that I can't be part of this community because it happens to me that uh, while dreaming, uh, one part of me or some percentage of my uh, consciousness is aware that this is a dream. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, I was just so sad that this is not happening. You know, and waking up, I was like, okay, uh, I need to make sure that I. Uh, I don't. I try to accommodate that because obviously mm-hmm. it's something that I'm that I'm um, yearning for, mm. and so it, it's it's very very interesting. The whole uh, online digital space that is amazing and mm-hmm. that is a big present. But uh, very much like you, I think that at some point we need to make it real. And I'm starting lately to notice how. Um, Even having a friend that's 10 minutes away by car or by taxi, whatever, by foot, doesn't matter, 10 minutes away, my very best friends that I wish for myself to have, I would not want to be one minute away (laughs) from them. And yet, and yet, I have to say that living in such an individualistic society and all that, I have trouble committing yeah. to that to yep. that sort of friendship like I do want yeah. my place to retreat to uh, which is probably and this is this is the type of uh, tug of war inner yeah. tug of war that we're having I think with that yeah. and goes back to this whole notion of uh, you know the thing that we want but we're so afraid of and and how to how to overcome this at all and I don't have a good answer yeah
1: yeah I so beautifully said, what do you think? So, you just said the thing that we want, but we're so afraid of. What do you think that fear is about?
0: Yeah, great question. Oh, yeah, that's a fantastic question. I mean, there's so much uh, emphasis on the self that I think Mm -hmm. any kind of um, threat on that self, whether it's by not uh, sort of curtailing the, the, possibility of, 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 of flourishing as most of us see it in terms of like material mm-hmm. success uh, mainstream success something like that um, a- any kind of relationship with another person is actually interfering with that potential because if yeah. you want to be the biggest baddest CEO out there entrepreneur whatever you know it's probably any sort of human relationship is going to stand in your way rather than assist you um, mm. outside the context of work right mm. so um mm. so i think that's one thing and also another thing is that i think many of us are afraid of actually uh doing stuff that uh, or experiencing things that are part of life but are the more more unpleasant parts of life yeah so attachment to other people you know leads to things like sadness if something happens to them it leads to um, frustration with a relationship if uh, people can't reach an agreement or uh, on a way forward or something mm-hmm. like that um, and I think we have such a uh, honestly a terrible um, behavior or habit of 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 having good feelings, bad feelings, and that's something that's really um, is is holding us back. Mm. I, I hear this from highly intelligent people talking about these things, um, mm. how to uh, how to rid yourself of negative feelings, mm. um, and this to me is just uh, this can only be said if you forget that these so called negative feelings like fear, anger, uh, these are the feelings that are going to save your life in time of crisis. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. saying they're negative, that's completely forgetting the role of yeah. context in this. And yeah. um, sadness too, mm-hmm. you know, like my mm-hmm. dad, um, after he lost my mom at age 50, he was 50, you know, this sadness uh, kind of unlocked amazing creative um Forces mm-hmm. in him that he just had to let out and and created something beautiful. He would walk across from his house and and built his uh, private pyramids, just piling stones into these raised pathwalks and and domes mm-hmm. and writing poetry to her and doing all these amazing things. The pyramids, so I'm saying mm-hmm. his pyramids, but this is really my explanation for the pyramids of Egypt. <laughs> this is all inspired by sadness. Okay. Yeah. And then I recognize in myself sometimes things. oh, well, on some level, like I'd like to see myself as um, an artist or something like that. And then I'm thinking, well, do I really want to experience the things that are going to make me a fantastic artist? It's like, not really. <laughs> um, I kind of feel bad for Van Gogh and, you know, the people who have created out of this mindset of, of terrible agony sometimes. I- um, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so much to respond here. This is so beautiful. Um, to that very last point. Yes, I do think, um, I do think it's, it is a reality that often our most, when we're, when we are able to feel, to feel our feelings, we can create some really beautiful things. I also think the myth of you have to be suffering in order to be an artist is a very harmful myth. Um, you, you can yeah I, I, agree. Of, I agree i agree but, but a for a fact, fact enjoy. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah but but, but <laughs> for a fact it was it was for some people definitely a a reason to to embark on a journey of for creating art. yeah yeah
1: yeah and i think what something that's so beautiful in what you were saying is is i think also a reason for this impulse toward belonging community right now is a sense of our ourselves are being atomized, um, certainly in our current capitalist entrepreneurial, you know, kind of um, entrepreneurial fetishized um, culture that that is fairly global, um, certainly true here in the US, but fairly global at this point, um, is an atomization of self. It's reduce inefficiencies, it's hack and optimize your life. It's only feel these sets of emotions that are strategically important for business sense. And that is so harmful, it is so painful. And I think people are hitting, it, it's hitting a, a broad kind of critical point where people are saying, this isn't a way that I wanna live. And it's separating me from the things I most care about, about myself and about others. And so I think maybe we talked about economic resource and health resources being a drive and housing prices and things. The material aspects um, of the way our systems are not working are a driver toward community. But I think the emotional and mental Reality, spiritual realities of, um, we cannot be quote unquote optimizing for positive feelings in our life. That's just not how we work. And we are, I think there's sort of a demand for how do we, how do we understand how to live together in a way that all of those things are okay. And it's not that sadness feels good. And it's not even that sadness is always going to be healthy. But some part of it is and some part of it is good and that's that has to be seen and accommodated for as well um so i suspect that that kind of survival instinct is also driving a lot of our a lot of our talking and building toward ideas of belonging um one thing you were saying this this might be speculation so follow me here and or tell me if i'm not making any sense (laughs) but i wonder about our it feels like we are trying to re like trying to renegotiate our understandings of, of attachment um, to some degree, when you were talking about the fear of letting things go um, it feels like we are, what I suspect is happening is we don't know how to belong to ourselves. And so that mm. also makes us deeply afraid of the idea of losing parts of ourselves in order to gain community mm. in the sense of, I don't want to, I already don't know how to be okay with myself or like take myself seriously and invest and care for and belong to myself. And so the idea of I'm going to give up part of myself to be married. I'm going to give up part of myself to have children. I'm going to give up part of myself to just live with housemates or care for my neighbors like I would care for myself starts to feel unhealthy or oppressive because there's parts of us that all there's. I I think both of those things are happening, and I'm curious how much they're related to each other. Is what I would say. Um, And so, to take this one step further, I've had a really interesting realization in the last six months, or like something I've always known, but I've come to feel differently, and that is um, the joy of being in friendship and collaborative collaborative relationship with people who have things I do not have and may never have. And instead of feeling jealous or insecure about that, recognizing that for the gift of expanded opportunity that it is. So for example, last summer, um, I met up with a group of, who have now become very dear friends of mine. And we were staying at somebody's house and they have a beautiful house in Europe. And at first I realized I started thinking like, Well, I've always wanted to be able to have a beautiful house in Europe. Why isn't this my story? Why, you know, what can I, how hard do I have to work? How much, how much more do I have to grind Mm
0: -hmm. so that
1: I can also get this thing for myself? And really quickly, very early on, that became a total frame shift where I thought, no, you dummy, like, that's not, that's not what I have to do. The joy here is I now have a friend who has a beautiful house here. And by extension, that's now become my house too because she has said, please come in, enjoy this beautiful life. And I was like, oh, the, the capitalist individualist narrative is I have to physically own it for it to be mine. Oh, and instead, yeah. what's happening is I can just let go of that. I can still work to make that my dream if it needs to be. And you know who knows if I would ever be successful in that, but I can try. But the joy of being able to say, I have this thing. And because you and I are friends and collaborators in life, What I have is now also open and available to you. And it may not be that we both have this thing, you know, and I have parts of my life that I feel excited to share with others in the same way, that it's sort of like, I have the gift of excess time or excess networks or whatever it is. And like, now you can share in it as well. And it's not a question of ownership. It's a question of um, being able to, to participate in each other's lives at a different level. I don't know if that makes sense. but No,
0: it, it, it totally does. And I'm, I'm really happy you, you brought it up, the whole notion of expanding the circle of, of allies and friends around mm-hmm. us. I think it starts with that because it's unrealistic to think that we can be um, very, very good friends with everyone, like soulmates. Mm-hmm. Um but one thing that has to happen is that we have to shift from uh, seeing, uh, from having sort of a utilitarian attitude towards mm-hmm. uh, people and, mm-hmm. and and other things, and just and opportunities
1: make, and access. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and make and make the the default approach uh, an approach of of making allies and you know rooting for people and not trying to see any opportunity in that for ourselves and you know going back to liberation yeah. it's almost funny that we that we are so um, concerned about hurting some part of ourselves or giving up a part of our uh, you, you know um, mm-hmm. capitalist self and because what is more liberating than not having to worry about yep. that you know it's it's yep. actually immensely liberating to be dealing with uh problems that are out there that are not here the problems in in our heads are are whatever makes us miserable that's that you know if we've mm-hmm. unless we're the people who are unfortunate enough to to be actually struggling for survival whatever um misery we we feel that comes from our thoughts and so on and are identifying with them Um, so collaborating with other people is huge and not Mm -hmm. because you know where this is going to lead the the Mm -hmm. relationship might deepen or it might not but we have to be a lot bolder in in trying and giving it a shot with other people and uh, one Another thing I want to say here, when you bring up the whole capitalist notion of "I want to have my name on the marquee lights," you know, in the marquee mm-hmm. line, it's also ridiculous because, of course, we know some famous people uh, by name and face. If you think that it's them who do the the sound check before their show, or um, you mm-hmm. know, plugging the cables, or uh, calling the the next um, venue where the gig is going to take place no there's there's a whole team for everyone and it's uh quite a harmful thing to forget that and think and put the focus on one person where clearly so we do know bands and then you look at a band or something like that well there are a lot of uncredited um help there as well but mm-hmm. at least you get the sense of like wow this is much more fun than being alone you know and then actually you think, well, wouldn't the people who have their names in the marquee lights be happier if they shared the credit with all these uncredited um, backstage workers, because then they might not be as isolated as yep. they are, which is also something, something to look out for. Uh, Tim Ferriss, your neighbor, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> has a, a wonderful blog post about how it sucks to be famous which we mm-hmm. really like. Maybe we could link to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really want to emphasize, just not so I don't meander all over the place. I've been trying to make allies, a lot of allies. And mm-hmm. this means reaching out to people and seeing if we could do something together. It starts with a call. It may uh, continue with a shared collaboration or something like that and I think that should be the spirit and the ethos of a society mm-hmm. and no we're not going to all know one another on a deep personal level but the air around us the atmosphere is going to be such that people meet people work together and people uh, flourish together and they're happy or happy to see mm-hmm. uh, one another flourish so I, I really love that you that you brought up this this um, aspect of of community because I think it's an ethos of a society and it's it's kind of on a a different level than these uh, nitty-gritty details of how resources are shared or something like that it's on a higher level you know
1: yeah yeah I think it's you know the the idea of um, scarcity versus abundance comes up a lot and I think that is um that's true in a material level, but it's also true in the sense that you're talking about, where it's, it's very much, um, when you're participating, it's sort of about what, what stories do I want to participate in? Whose lives do I want to participate in? And can I be, can I be a collaborator, a supporter, a participator in, in these various beautiful things that are, um, coming into the world? And maybe that's just a friendship and there's not a product out of it. And maybe that's, maybe that's lots of friendships, with lots of overlapping circles that just kind of helps build a beautiful scene or a, a beautiful context. Um, but that that question of abundance being, um, it doesn't have to be my story. To your point, it doesn't have to have my name on it. Um,
0: yes. Can
1: can we just choose where we want to help encourage abundance? And that's and maybe that's something we're bringing. Maybe that's something we're contributing to. Um, I think about, I think your marquee point is so good that there's a degree to which particular artists that are at a particular level of name recognition talk about feeling isolated. And that that happens way earlier than global fame. That happens with local fame and recognition, kind of sub subculture mm-hmm. name and recognition. Um, and I think, yeah, I had a moment recently of thinking about this and, and thinking about the idea of legacy and how many people, how how much people seem to tie their name to legacy. Um, And then I just had a moment of being like, you know what, even the most famous, you know, think about whose fame and legacy survived even 50 years after their death, 100 years after the death, you know, how many people from even 100 years ago do we know by name? And even then, how much do we actually know or care about their life or what they did? And even then, like, it's just not So few of us will ever reach that level and it's not even necessarily a desirable level like way of being. So then if we think about legacy as something other than our name being attached to it, it starts to be what is the work that we want to put into the world? What is the model of belonging, the model of love and care and attention and encouragement and creativity that we want to put into the world that will actually have effects for generations? And what can we do about that? And what does that mean in terms of the ways that we live our life? And to me, that's such a more interesting question. Like, how do, I, how do I want the way that I live to affect people down the road, whether or not they know it was me, whether or not they know me by name? Like, if I could have any effects on future generations, what kinds of things would I want to be doing? And then, then you can just go do those things. And when you're not worried, when you're not worried that history is gonna remember your name, you can actually just start building a really meaningful legacy right now with just because, and that's also incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I I mean, I I, I seriously think that um, the most well people that have lived probably that have done the most good unto others, we don't know their names. They were Mm -hmm. um, humble teachers and parents who came in regular contact with other human beings and we just good members for in, in their societies, you know. they mm-hmm. were. I have a, a neighbor, sort of a neighbor, like he's, he's in the village where I live in the kibbutz. Um, but he's 80-something right now. And since the moment I was born and before then, what he did was um, plant a fruit orchard with all these different fruits. Like um, prickly pears, uh, guavas, loquats, um, all types of fruit. And then his thing was just there's fruit, so he goes around the kibbutz and he just hands out this fruit. Mm -hmm. You know, this man is not going to be commemorated in any plaque, but to me, his this is inspirational. I mean, my my mother was um, was a teacher, and I still uh, rarely come across these people. It's just occasionally. It's just rare because they're dispersed now in the world. But occasionally I hear from somebody about how, you know, she was responsible for uh, how they turned out because uh, she was uh, leading them through their formative years in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's not going to be commemorated. Well, my dad did put her name on a plaque, but I don't think anybody's going to know much about her. It's not written in a book or anything like that. These unsung heroes were not only probably uh, contributing greatly to society more so than any other uh, than any famous person who was um, taken out of the context of of normal life. So, you know, celebrities couldn't even do uh, very good things interpersonally because they don't have a chance to even live normally and and meet Mm. people. On that Mm -hmm. level and uh, people like my mother and and musa the other guy who gives out fruit to people um and they are they are probably uh, happier too on on average i mean and well because they they were there and they do see the smiles that they bring to people's faces and definitely i think it's it's almost um to me to see that you know, YouTube channels, Spotify channels—they uh, bear the name of the individuals behind mm-hmm. them. Most in most cases, and mm-hmm. most children, they want to be that YouTuber or TikTok um, person who who gets their name now then. It's it's quite bizarre how why aren't there uh, YouTube channels that are kind of um, a collective of people contributing in it in a sort of um, non uh, loose kind of loose association thing. It was yeah. just a group of allies, and we, you know, I appreciate your work, so I can stand behind it if it's on the same channel as where mm-hmm. I put my stuff. I not mm-hmm. necessarily am making it with you. I'm not necessarily, but we're allies, you know, and this this collaborative spirit. It's rare. Mm-hmm. It's really rare today, uh, which is strange.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I like that idea of a, of, you know, YouTube collective channels. It makes me curious about what I'm sure. I'm sure that exists in some way, and I would like to find them. I don't know. I don't right? know what yeah. those Examples are. Um, I'd like to
0: start one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I'll stand behind you on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. But I think I think those are. Um, the ways that we think about media, the ways that we think about teaching each other and learning with and for each other alongside each other, the way that we think about um, storytelling and the way that we think about um, um, gathering as artists. I mean, certainly in the last 10 years, there's been a much stronger movement toward the idea of kind of one off teams, um, you know, things kind of uh, services to kind of collect teams for a certain job or squads for a certain job have them go do it and then disperse again Um, that's becoming more of a model but i mostly see that in the consultancy world not the um which is fine um, and good uh, and overdue in a lot of ways but but then my question is how does that become true just kind of in daily life for people that maybe aren't at the consultancy level or people that aren't um formally part of that as a as an economic formulation but also just want to be making things and sharing them together you know kind of how does how does that show up or could it
0: yeah so that's interesting because i think if if there's any reason that makes it so that we don't do it as much is that anything we do now we we just kind of the default is to think oh how is this going to be viral or cater to as many people as possible mm-hmm. it's almost um not worth my time on some level to have a one-on-one conversation
1: with mm-hmm. you because
0: why would i not be using this time to um yeah i don't know write a. Uh, six tweets for the algo on Twitter so that, um, uh, you know, it doesn't forget about me or something. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if our, um, f- frame of, of thinking is, is all about this success or something like that, then, uh, like I said before, a lot of these, uh, collaboration, a lot of these explorations, uh, they seem almost, um, just not even redundant, but but they just take you away from what you, from what you want to see. And uh, this this point should be made about um, art, art in general. So maybe I'm digressing here, but um, art takes experimentation, and the mm-hmm. and the culture that we're in today, online, the culture that I'm in online today, uh, leaves no room for experimentation because you should just go and and follow uh, whatever the the prescription for fame or success or something like that, uh, which I don't believe in at all. I don't think any of the people who are reading or writing guides for content creation, this is not going to lead, you know, this is going to lead one out of a million to virality because of some chance, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not going to lead many people towards uh, creating great art at all.
1: Mm-hmm. This is such a really, this is such an interesting question. and I think it's, um, it could be its own long conversation. So maybe we should come back to this yeah. topic specifically. I mean, I was going to, because to me, the question of um, working in public is a great frame. And it's something I only very recently came across myself. Um, I had much more of the, uh, or, or thinking in public, maybe which is what we're doing. I mean in this conversation we are we are thinking together and we will be sharing it publicly. So that is that is a creation of some you know True. we we're we're productizing it to some degree. But I do think there's value in that and I think there's there is a degree of risk because you know the idea of kind of working with a garage door up it's beautiful and it's accessible and it also means that anyone can come by and offer any thoughts on what you're doing without understanding the context of your process and that becomes risky um, and open to misinterpretation or, or people being very unimpressed with the level of your thinking that you're doing in public, you know, but I think there is also, there's such value in it and there's such risk of then, um, yeah, avoiding risk of commoditizing everything, of trying to productize everything, of trying to tag it to this notion of virality or economic benefit. And I think there's a lot there that is very cool to dig into.
0: Um, yeah yeah looking forward to to doing that for sure and i will say explicitly something which you said but was just kind of this um point to drive home which is friendship is not a product
1: Mm -hmm.
0: friendship is is not a product it's one of those things that you Mm -hmm. don't and and it can't be a go either that that's the thing some things just naturally appear when you have um A default behavior that lets them appear and they appear uh, serendipitously they are not a goal to be um, to be aimed at so Mm -hmm. this is true for well-being this is true for friendship this is actually true for many many of the things that actually um, uh, living well consists of so it's Mm. just something that you uh, mentioned and i wanted to kind of emphasize
1: yeah that's such a beautiful summation of so much of what we've been talking about. I feel like that's a really wonderful place to stop, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, any last thoughts on our opening salvo around blossoming, flourishing community? I mean, I know we have hours and hours more of thoughts, but...
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, uh, we know what kind of the, some of the themes that we've been thinking about and I think they'll just Mm -hmm. uh, come up naturally in uh, future conversations so for now that's good
1: yeah what a joy to chat yeah first installment more to come
0: (laughs) yep stay tuned people